Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We're in a series called The Father's Blessing, and I wanted to show you that video because there's something powerful in what he says. These big pro football players that he's the chaplain for, and he looks at them and he says, I love you and I'm proud of you, and these massive men crumble. We started this series last week with this this premise that hardwired into every single human heart is a desire and a need for the Father's blessing. Last week, we talked about the Father's being, and we asked the question, what's your dad like? And, And we looked at earthly dad. We talked about, you know, our different stories. Uh, Some of us, dad was there. Some of you, dad wasn't there. Some of you, dad was in and out. Some of you had another man come in and play the role of dad. And some of you, your dad was amazing. Some of you, your dad was absent. Some of you, he was harmful. He was abusive. But then we changed the conversation because we we read the passage in 2 Corinthians where, where God says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. We talked about how Jesus reveals God, not as just the almighty, not as just the holy one, not as the creator, but as father, like over and over again, my father, my father, my father. And so I wanted us to take this four-week series, and what, I, what I'm hoping for is what we just sang about. You call me deeper still. You call me deeper still into love, love, love. My hope is that you receive something from your heavenly Father over this series. I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about today. But um, what what we're going to shift to this morning is blessing, the actual blessing, what it means. We talked about the Father's being last week, that his blessing comes out of his being, out of who he is, his character. But this morning, I want to talk about what does the blessing mean? And that's a word that we use. Like, what in the world does it mean to be blessed? If somebody sneezes, you say, bless you, right? If uh, maybe your waiter, your waitress, or somebody you know, maybe up, I'm up here and I'm struggling on a Sunday, you're out somewhere, maybe somebody's struggling with something, and you might look at your spouse and say, bless his heart, right? <laughs> oh, he's struggling today. Bless his heart. Or maybe uh, you, you equate blessing with earthly riches like if you get the Cadillac you can post that on Instagram and you say hashtag bless right I got the Cadillac right thank the Lord I am blessed because you have earthly 
riches. So what does it mean to be blessed? It's one of those words that we throw around all the time, but I think a lot of us, we, we're not really sure. It's, it's cloudy. We're, we're, it's a murky definition in our minds, and so I'm hoping that this morning I can answer the question, what does it mean to be blessed? But the second question, I, I think that should follow that question is, is blessing available to me and to you? And I hope that from the word of God, we're going to find an answer for those two questions. What does it mean to be blessed, and is it available to me? To, to do that, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3. If you want to go there, if you have a device, you have a Bible that you want to open and turn, Matthew chapter 3, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. I'm also going to have that on the screens in the same translation that I read from, so you can follow with me there. But this is, um, this is the life of Jesus. This is early in the life of Jesus that we're going to read about. And it's an, an amazing moment. So let me start reading in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Jesus. This is the very beginning of his earthly ministry. This is about 26 AD. He's about 30 years old. And that number 30 is that a, a number that you see repeated over and over in the Bible. David begins his reign at age 30. King Saul before him begins his reign at age 30. John the Baptist began his earthly ministry at age 30. Jesus begins his earthly ministry at age 30. Maybe some of you here in the room are 30. You're like, what does 30 mean in the Bible? Well, the number 30, it, it means dedication to a certain task or calling or mission. Jesus was stepping into his mission. He's, he's at a transition point, and this is a rite of passage for Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is baptized, right? So we, we see clearly that he goes into the water and he comes out. And I just want to tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in him and you've never been baptized, okay, your Lord was baptized. And at Renaissance, we practice believer's baptism. That means that once we believe in him, we are baptized, right? Repent and be baptized. So if you've never been baptized, we'd love to celebrate that with you, but Jesus is baptized and two significant things happen. The first is that the Spirit of God descends like in, in an actual form like a dove, right, so they could see it, comes like a dove and it, it comes upon Jesus. Other, uh, other passages in the gospel say that it rested on him, meaning it didn't touch down and then leave again, like it stayed. And the second thing that happened is a voice from heaven. The Father's voice pronounces a blessing. This was the Father's blessing on Jesus. And what I want you to see is that this came in presence 
and in word. The Father's blessing comes in presence and in word. Let's talk about the presence first. So here we have this spirit coming like a dove, and it, like I said, it rests upon him, which, which tells us that this is like an enduring presence. Like it's not going to leave. It's going to stay with him. And the message is this, I'm with you. The Father says, I'm with you, and I'm within you. Jesus has the very presence of his Father with him and within him. This blessing, this word blessing that we we talk about this morning throughout the scriptures, it it refers to the favor of God, that, that God was demonstrating his favor on his son, This word also means to celebrate with praises. You you hear him say, this is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And it means to cause to prosper. Jesus is going to be filled with power, and his ministry is going to prosper. Yeah, he's going to suffer, he's going to die, but his ministry is going to go on. He will cause him to prosper. And it also means to make happy To to be blessed is to be made happy, and that blessing comes with presence. But I want to just spend some time this morning unpacking the word. What does the Father say about Jesus? He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So I just want to talk about what does that mean for, for the Father to say that to him? The first thing that I want you to catch is that the Father's blessing bestows identity. It bestows identity. He says, my beloved son. You're mine. You're my beloved son. I uh, previously was a uh, college pastor at Texas State University. Go Bobcats. I was there for about 14 years serving with the ministry. And over that time, I, be, I became the leader where I was speaking and, and, and teaching and preaching. And what we did every year, we started the same way. We started with identity and purpose. The first two weeks, Every year, same thing, identity and purpose. The reason why is we found that every college student was coming in asking the same questions. Who am I and why am I here, right? We're all asking those questions of who am I and why am I here? They want to know their identity and they want to know their purpose. And so every semester we would start that same way and I found that um, if they did not receive that answer from, from the Father, if they didn't receive the answer from the word of truth, from relationship with Jesus, they were going to go find the answer some other way. And you probably have been there. I've been there as a young man trying to find my identity in something. And we typically decipher identity by a th- Three basic ways. The first is, what am I good at? Maybe that's who I am. Or the other way is, what do others say about me? Right? What is it that people are saying? What, 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 you know, my friends, my mom and dad, like, what are they saying about me? Or we say, what am I feeling? How do I feel? Maybe my identity is deep down in there, and if I, I'll just feel it, right? 
And when it comes to what we do, deciphering our identity through what we do, the problem is that um, we can be good at something, and then something happens, you have an accident, you have a, uh, you know, you're impaired in some way, and all of a sudden, I can't do that anymore. Or if you're a man and you've been really good at something your whole life, and then you're like, now it's time to retire. Or, you know, R2-D2 takes over your job with artificial intelligence, right? And all of a sudden, my whole industry has changed, and, and I, I was so good at that. If we build our identity on what we're good at, unfortunately, it will always be unstable for us. Something's going to happen along the way where we will lose our we'll have an identity crisis. If it's built on what people say about me, well, you know how that goes, right? The Proverbs say the tongue has the power of life and death. And I think he's talking about this, that there are words that we can speak to one another and some words are life and we can build one another up and we can say, man, you're so awesome. I'm so proud of you. I see this in you. Like, you know, people can speak words of life, but you all know that people can speak words of death, Right? Like some of us have these words that are like a barb that are stuck in us. And it's just like, you know, it happened decades and decades ago, but you just can't shake that word that was said to you. It just like echoes in your mind. And so if we, if we try to figure out who we are based on what people say, we know that's like, it's very unstable. Some people might give us life. Some people might give us death. We can't build our identity on that. And the last way is, what do I feel? And if you're like me, your feelings are like this, right? Up and down and up and down. And I had a whole year I was up, and then there was like a year I was down. And it's just like, you know, it's, our feelings are all over the place. So if we try to base our, our sense of identity, like who am I on our feelings, it never is stable enough for actually to build our identity on. It's, we'll go into a crisis mode. And so the father speaks over his son, you are my beloved son, you're mine. My family and I, we go to uh, uh, the, the, the high school football games here locally because we just enjoy it. We want to go root our team on. And so we go, and I love the, the, the moms, the moms go crazy because, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we don't have a kid there. And so I just like watching the moms. And there are moms that will just, I mean, they can't contain themselves. They, they have to go up to the front. They pace all along. I mean, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. And what they're saying is like, that's my boy, right? They, I claim him. Like, all of us know who their kid is. And that's what happens in this moment. A voice from heaven publicly declares, this is my beloved son. And it bestows identity. And I don't want you to miss that word bestow. Our identity is not deciphered. It's bestowed. It's given by a father, our heavenly father. So to be blessed is to, to have our identity bestowed. The, the second thing that I want you to see is that word beloved. Like beloved. That's probably not a word that you use very often. Hello, beloved. Right? You probably don't say that to your wife. It means dearly loved, close to the heart. Dearly loved and close to the heart. 
I uh, read a book years ago called Blue Light Jazz. It's by Donald Miller. It's a great book. If you ever read that book, if you haven't, you should check it out. It's just great. But he says this. He makes a remark that what made Jesus so unusual, so attractive, was that he was perfectly comfortable in his own skin. Ever thought about that? That Jesus would be perfectly comfortable in his own skin. There's a passage in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, verse 2, and he tells all about Jesus and what he's going to be like. And in that passage, he gives this detail about Jesus, and he says, he didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. Meaning this, if there were a crowd of Jewish men and you're trying to pick out which one was Jesus, you would have no clue because he wasn't like the Brad Pitt of Jerusalem. He was a really average-looking guy, maybe not even very attractive. You might be shocked when you meet Jesus in heaven. You'd be like, wow, I just pictured someone more attractive. I don't know. Just an average-looking guy. And what made him so unique is that he was average and totally okay with it. Comfortable in his own skin. When all the other Jewish uh, boys and girls were competing and comparing, Jesus was like, eh, I'm good. Because the Father's blessing imparts acceptance. It imparts Acceptance, to be accepted by a father just as you are. Wow. Now, you and I, <laughs> we go after acceptance in different ways, right? A lot of it has to do with our appearance. We might get hung up on how we look. It might be uh, coolness, like we learn some, some, you know, some things along the way in life, how to be cool, how to fit in, right? We're, we're, we're trying to get acceptance. We, um, we, we have uh, ways of certain behaviors, or maybe it's my abilities, like I just, I want you to know I'm, I'm good at this. Do you like me now? Because I'm really good at this. Or uh, I hear this sometimes, really among a lot of men, but they say, you know, at least I'm not an idiot, right? At least I'm not, you know, like that guy. And it's all about this. Like, I'm intelligent. I want you to know that I'm intelligent so that you'll know I'm acceptable. Because we're not comfortable in our own skin. Because so many of us lack acceptance from a father. Jesus was fully accepted, right? The Father's blessing imparts acceptance. The next thing that I want you to see is that the Father's blessing communicates approval. It communicates approval. Because the Father says this, with whom I am well pleased. I think of that video of, of Kerry Casey saying that he speaks to these players and tells them, I love you and I'm proud of you, and they weep. Because deep down inside, they want the approval. They're, they're looking for their dad in the stands. Grown men. 
seeking approval. The Father's blessing communicates approval, but that's not just a man thing and that's not just a football player thing. I found an article, uh, it's in Psychology Today. It was by Dr. Peggy Drexler. The article was called Daughters in Dad's Approval. She's a researcher and I have a slide so you can follow along with what she wrote. It says, in my research into the lives of some 75 high-achieving, clearly independent women, I knew that I would find a powerful connection between them and the first men in their lives. Though gender relationships have changed dramatically in modern times, the father-daughter bond remains surprisingly traditional. No matter how successful their careers, how happy their marriage is, or how fulfilling their lives, women told me, get this, that their happiness passed through a filter of their father's reactions. Many told me that they tried to remove the filter and much to their surprise, failed. We know that fathers play a key role in the development and choices of their daughters, but even for women whose fathers had been neglectful or abusive, I found a hunger for approval. Not just that phrase, a hunger for approval. They wanted a warm relationship with men who did not deserve any relationship at all. It's not just a man thing. It's not just football players looking for a father in the stands. She's saying that these highly successful women, they have this filter in their minds and in their hearts, and it's like their whole life passes through a filter, and that filter was their father's reactions. She found a hunger for approval. Wow. That so describes us, our human hearts. We hunger for approval. We hunger for the words, I love you and I'm so proud of you. The Father's blessing, it communicates approval. He pronounces the blessing publicly on his son. I am well pleased. So his, his blessing comes in presence and word. He's with us. He's with us. I, I um, heard a, um, an illustration from the If Gathering, Casey shared with me last night. Beth Moore, this is for you ladies to connect with this. Beth Moore said that um, when you're pregnant, that there's a sense in you like constantly of like there's a new life in you. You think about it all the time. It's like, you know, everywhere you go, when you get in the car, you think, I'm pregnant. When when you wake up in the morning, you're pregnant. When you walk into the room, you're It's like you're so aware of this new life forming inside of you. And she made the connection that this is how it is with the indwelling spirit of God in us. That through Jesus Christ, through faith in him, we are given the Holy Spirit, that he lives in us. He's with us and he's in us. And it's like that new life inside of you. She challenged them to become aware of the new life that's inside of you. Men, I think about it like this. Like, um, it's like the, the difference between medicine and a transplant. Medicine is something that you take, like you, you take a pill, you get an injection, your body uses whatever's in there, and then it flushes it out. It's gone. It's temporary. But a transplant is like something that's not working is removed and something new comes in and it brings life to your body. This presence of God is with us and in us. It stays. 
in his word, right? His word bestows identity. It imparts acceptance and communicates approval. And I know what you're thinking. That's great for Jesus. That's great for him. Awesome. Praise God. But is that available to me? I want to show you a passage, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. If you have a copy of the scriptures, go there with me. I think this is going to, you're going to see this passage in a whole new light this morning, and I don't want you to miss it. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Check this out. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed is him who has, get this, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. That phrase, the beloved one. Here's what he's saying. He's speaking to the saints at Ephesus, those who believe in Jesus, who have placed faith in him. And he says, look, blessed be the God and Father of our beloved one, Jesus Christ. And guess what? In him, in Jesus, when you place faith in him, all the Father's blessings are poured out on you. Wow. That song we just sang, grace like a It's the scandal of grace that you and I, who have spent most of our lives sinning, rebelling, in some way offending God, that somehow through the the perfect sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of his son on a cross, that all of a sudden we could literally just put faith in that. We could believe in Jesus and now a wave of grace washes over us and he can look at us and say, this is my son. This is my daughter, my beloved son, beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Wow. We're not worthy of that, right? That's humbling that the the Holy One could look at us with eyes of blessing and he could bless us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So friends, the Father's blessing is for you. It is for you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've placed faith in him, it's for you. The Father blesses you. And I think the hard work is this. Whatever word got stuck into you, the hard work is trading that word for the word. 
trading the word that harmed, the word that just echoes in your brain that's like, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm not enough, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm whatever that word is that echoes in your mind to trade that and say, I'm beloved. My father's well pleased. Based on the word, the truth of what our father has spoken. So I want to encourage you this morning, trade in the old word for the true word. Amen? Trade in the old word for the true word. And I don't want you to miss the timing. Jesus, what did he do up to this point? He was born. We know that. There were angels that herald the birth of Jesus and you know, the spirit came upon Mary. She was with child and all this amazing stuff happened. Prophetic people were speaking at that moment and saying, look, this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. And then what? Nothing. For 30 years, he just grows up. Probably works with his dad as a carpenter. And then he has this moment, this rite of passage, where the father says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus hasn't healed a person yet. He hasn't preached a a sermon yet. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't gone to a cross for the sins of the world yet. He hasn't, uh, you know, he hasn't been in the grave for three days yet. He has been written. Like, nothing's happened yet. It's like everything happened after the blessing. And here's what I want you to know. We were designed to live from the Father's blessing, not for the Father's blessing. And there's a whole world of difference between those two. Whole world. It's the difference between grace and relationship with Jesus and religion. Religion says, earn it. Get your act together. Clean it up. If you want him to love you, if you want him to be with you, if you want his blessing on you, you need to get yourself together. But it's not like that with Jesus. He he says, no, no, come right now as you are. It doesn't begin with your works. It doesn't begin with all your getting your life cleaned up. It starts with faith in Jesus. And at that moment, you're born again. The blood of Jesus covers you. You are in the beloved one. And the father pronounces, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. And now you're living your life from the blessing. How can I beat the sin because I'm blessed by my Father. He's with me, he's within me. How can I defeat this depression cycle that I've been in over and over again? I'm a beloved son of God, beloved daughter of God. He's in me, he's within me, he's well pleased. How can I learn to to, to lead my family? I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter. He's with me. He's in me. He's well Please, You live from the blessing. And let me tell you, it is so freeing. So freeing. Years ago, I will close with this. I got to go to an adoption ceremony. If you've never been to an adoption ceremony, wow. I mean, 
I was like a mess. I was a puddle on the floor. I mean, these are friends of mine. They were close friends. They had had two boys that they had fostered, and um, the parents' rights were terminated. It was a bad situation, so they were going to adopt these kids, and I thought, oh, cool, let's go to this ceremony, and I had no idea what I was in store for because there's something beautiful that took place in that room. When the judge pronounces that these, this child now, he says the name, and he changes his last name. The other one, this is your name now, this, this is your new name. And he tells the parents, these are your children as if they were born to you naturally. Adopted as sons and daughters. I found out this week that um, whenever there's an adoption ceremony, that you have an original birth certificate, OBC, but when you're adopted, they have an ABC. It's an amended birth certificate, and they actually issue a new certificate, and it has the child's new last name. You, through faith in Jesus Christ, have been adopted. It's just as if you were born to him naturally and the Father's blessing pours onto you. So this morning, I want to challenge you to trade in the old word for the new word, to have your identity bestowed, to receive the acceptance and the approval of your Father, to live from it, not for it. And there might be someone in the room who needs to be adopted. The Spirit of God is stirring in you as I speak to you about what Jesus has done on a cross and you don't believe in him, you don't follow Jesus. I want to tell you this is your moment. This is your day to come into the family. And it's simple. It's by faith in Jesus, by praying, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you. I give myself over to you. Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. That simple act is a new birth. You are born again on the inside through faith. And today, you will receive the Father's blessing. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.